Hello and welcome to the final episode of the ANF podcast of 2022 with me, Al Coates, him, Scott Casson Rennie, her, Paula Coates, and him, Tristan Casson Rennie. Woohoo! It's like one of those uh, radio where we all clap and the yeah. posse are in the house, aren't they? We should have that over noise thing. Over the noise thing. Like yeah, but well, I don't think Sky uses it anymore, so we could use it, couldn't we? That's true, it's true, true. So, Scott, you had this bright idea that we bring in our spouses for the final podcast of the year. What was that all about then? Why did that well, seem like that. a good idea at the time? <laughs> well, we would normally do the Queen's speech, wouldn't we? And we do a little. And, um, well, obviously, we can't do a Queen's speech anymore. God rest her soul. But, yeah, well, too soon for a King's speech? Don't know. So let's just, we're ever-evolving, ever-changing, so let's um, let's just do something different. And let's give um, these two the opportunity to talk publicly again. Because it went so well the last time. So it did. People, people were raving about us for weeks and weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that is a word that, that could be used. <laughs> the complaints department were very busy. Yeah. Um so shall we just open it up to them and tell them how their year, how's your year been? Well, shall, shall we start with Tris? Yeah. We'll start with Tris. Tris, how's your year been? Any highlights? Anything happened? Any any Anything you want to remark on? It's been a busy year, something that I never expected to happen after I retired at 45. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been remarkably busy. Uh, it's had its ups and downs, probably a couple of downs, more than ups. Uh, a few helicopter rides in there. And uh, some trauma, uh, for good measure. Uh, we uh, we seem to have got through the year with the same number of children that we started with, so that's always a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, no more. No, we had the phone cut off. No more. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even funny. Um, so but tell me, because you, I mean, you've had a really busy year in, in the sense that you've done, you've started a charity, and that charity has really gathered some momentum. But in the midst of all that, um. I guess most people who listen will know that um, Scott had a had a moment in March last year, and boy, has he milked it ever since. Um, I shouldn't say that, should I? That sounds no, really flippant. Um, I'll get into trouble afterwards. You I'll will. Get, Mrs. Cook, I, I, me, yeah. I think that uh, FASD Island was stealing the limelight, so he wanted to bring the attention back to himself. Oh my <laughs> days! That's just rude. So. Come on then. Uh, the irony, though, then the, there is some irony in this, in that, you know, if he had not have had that aneurysm when he did, and this is really significant, uh, that uh, one of the, the visits I did in the early days down to Cork, and Cork was a city that we'd, we'd been to a few times, but we wouldn't necessarily go there uh, just as a, you know, to visit. And um, on this particular day, I was walking from the hospital back to the car, and I saw... Um, uh, a poster up uh, just saying, are you a social entrepreneur? Do you have an organisation that exists to help uh, the the general public in Ireland uh, for the better? If you do, get in touch with us. And I literally took a photograph of it and then forgot all about it. Came back to uh, the office uh, a couple of days later, went onto the website and applied to take part in Social Entrepreneurs Ireland uh, Ideas Academy, of which I'm now, well, they call me a alumni yeah. and a graduate of. Mm. And oh. um, we, uh, the organization as a result of that, 
has been remarkably successful in achieving grant funding from uh, Bank of America and Life's for Life's Too Good Foundation uh, from the west of Ireland, and that's funding the National FASD Hub for Ireland, which we're launching after Christmas. So uh, had it not been for Scott having that that moment, um, I would never have seen that poster. I would never have been able to be in a position a year later to be able to say we're opening a, a national FASD hub. So you know what? Some things happen for a reason. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that you, you're pulling out quite a silver lining from what was a very dark cloud. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because... He he's been asked about it before. Where was it? Oh, it was when he, when we opened the offices. He wasn't asked about it, but part of his his opening remarks for the opening of the offices included a little bit about that. But he couldn't bring himself to do it because it, it, he found it as soon as he thought about it, it upset him. And I think that we're now nine months from when it happened. <clears throat> And um, I think that actually it was quite traumatizing for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it you know, it's quite traumatizing for me as well. I have to say, but I think that the everything that happened to this day, I think Tris still knows more about what happened and all the stuff that you know my kind of body and brain went through when I wasn't awake, um, because they probably told me when I woke up, but. I was too busy tweet, tweeting rubbish <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. The first couple of weeks, I don't remember very much after waking up. So, um, And I think that it still probably upsets him to think about. I'm just, I'm just surmising this because it's not the sort of thing that we sit and discuss every night. Obviously, we talk about my health and how I'm feeling and stuff, but we don't really talk about what happened. Um, something might come on the telly. There was something on the telly, wasn't there, mm. a couple of months ago on um, 24 yeah, Hours in A&E, and some, yeah. somebody came in with a ruptured, aneur- uh, ruptured aneurysm in the brain. And it was like, okay, so, you know, we sat and talked about it. We don't sit and talk about it all the time, of course, because, you know, you don't do that. It's like, you know, if someone has, I don't know, an operation, you don't then sit and talk about it every night for, you know, for, for, for the rest of the time. But I think when it affects your brain the way it did mine, and bearing in mind, the the kind of language that I've I now understand to use. So you know I have um, four aneurysms, two ruptured and two didn't. Um, and the the two that ruptured could have killed me. The two that are still there that haven't ruptured, they will check on every year to make sure that they're not growing or getting any bigger. Um, if they do, then I'll have to go in and have the same procedure if they can get to them in the same way. Um, so it's a kind of an ongoing health issue if you like um and they said to you when it first happened i would maybe get a certain capacity of my brain function back yeah they talked about sort of 90 to 93 percent brain function i would say we're we're pretty much there now i still see gaps uh mm-hmm. you know so i think i think it's fair to say scott recognizes some of those gaps um i think i'm better now than i ever be <laughs> and, and you know um i was talking to one of the uh, so when Scott went in for a checkup recently in Cork, um, I was talking to one of the specialists while he was uh, out, and um, I said, you know, um, having parented uh, two children with, um, well, one with a diagnosis of FASD and another with a, a question mark FASD, who's too old to, to to want to have a diagnosis now, and and learning NVR and 
everything that I've learned about how to parent them with their brain injury, um, because that's what it, what FASD is, yeah, uh, effectively. It helped me, and it has helped me, and it continues to help me when I recognise that Scott responds now in a way that he, he never did for the 24 years. And in our 25th year, he responds differently to a lot of things now. And so I have I have more of an understanding in how to communicate or how we communicate so that I'm always aware that there's nothing going to escalate or, or nothing going to dysregulate him because he no longer... It doesn't have that self-regulatory function. That's gone. That's one of the 7% parts of his brain that hasn't returned. And mm. so sometimes, and, and you know, I can give you a really brief example. We were in Copenhagen. The the the, the trains had stopped because um, uh, somebody had been shot in um, Stockholm and, and the trains run through to Copenhagen. And Scott literally went into what we would call um dysregulation and meltdown whatever you want to call it but he was hitting out at anybody and everybody around him because it, he couldn't process that the trains weren't calling and that we needed to get on the train to go to a hotel and so it was a case of having to say okay i'm going to deal with this how i deal with it with one of one of the children and so i stepped out i walked outside of the airport you know i made sure he was safe but i stepped out went out had a breath um, had a word with myself about what I was going to do and then went back in and went yeah. back in and just, you know, used some distraction techniques and had that conversation and and, and everything was fine again. But I, I'm acutely aware because of having had to learn how to parent our own children. And this isn't parenting, but this is just about learning to recognise those traits of behaviours for people with with um, acquired brain injuries, you know, that, that they've lived normally for, for all mm. of their lives and then acquired a, a, an injury. And to me, um, I couldn't have got through the last year. Absolutely, I couldn't have got through the last year without having some of that knowledge because... Back knowledge, the, yeah. The, the, the families who deal with or who are, who are with the survivors of aneurysms are often the ones that the, the health service forgets. You know, yeah. they, they, they provide all of the care and, and, and the procedures to look after the people with that injury, but they don't talk about or they don't talk to or they don't tell us what life is going to be like for us afterwards. And so that's a real uh, issue. Uh, and I think, you know, I've taken a lot of interest in um, organisations now that support both in the UK and Ireland that support people and families with brain injuries because it's it's mad how actually working with um families with FASD um it's not a hop skip and a jump away from families with acquired brain injuries and so yeah. for me the two are very similar um yeah. that might provoke loads of discussion outside of this podcast well, but you know that's my findings yeah i mean don't know whether you've got any questions paul i don't want to cut across you if you want to ask any questions because i've got loads of questions or comments um <laughs> I, oh, that's my job to be nosy um, but I was wondering um, sort of drawing this back to the context of being a, a family with adopted children and children with you know like all of our like a, I say all of our adopted children but a lot of our adopted children have complex needs have interesting takes how was it then managing children who have that background have that complexity and that kind of that uncertainty how is it you're sort of all of a sudden you've got Neil, her husband, you've got children, and you're trying to keep a. I think one of the things I remember talking to you about was 
we need to just calm the funk down. Everybody yeah. needs to, and that is something that I know that, you know, yeah, I'd love to, of course, that's what you do is you tell your children to calm down and it works wonderfully, doesn't it? Um, you know, you know, that's, that's how we've always managed. You know, we just tell them to be calm and it just works. Um, yeah. uh, but the stakes were really high for you, weren't they? In the sense of mm. keeping everything calm. So what, yeah. I mean, this Scott was, I know this Scott was sort of somewhat oblivious to a lot of things for quite a lot of the year. Uh, but I remember having a few conversations with you where you were kind of like, Everyone needs to just calm the funk down. Yeah, I mean, something that went on behind the scenes that nobody will, will be aware of uh, is that, you know, I can remember sitting on Station Road in Ennis in my car, talking to Al on my hands free, uh, dark at night, windows steamed up because I've been in the car pretty much a couple of hours driving back from Cork. And I rang Al and I said, Al, I don't know what, what to do here. The the nursing staff are getting really worried about Scott's mental health and the ability of his brain to recover because uh, he's getting inundated with messages and texts and they're all well wishes. But Scott, by his nature, is wanting to reply to them all. And unfortunately, the amount of time that he's allowed to be on his phone is five minutes every hour. And the nurses have found that he's hiding his phone and he's on his phone all the time and they want me to take it off him. So can I we do it. something? Yeah, bad patients. So can we do something? And we, 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 we again between Al and I, at the dead of night, we we we, we constructed this idea that Al would do um, on air updates about Scott, but also just pleading with people who wanted to wish Scott well to send messages that didn't need a reply, so that they were just messages of of, of get well but don't reply. Um, and you know that worked amazingly well and. I think everything else following that stemmed from being able to design these strategies to support Scott's recovery um, because it was a long, arduous road. And I mean, you know, we're a year, well, we're not quite the year out mm -hmm. yet. But I mean, again, people won't have known, but when Scott was discharged, I was told he was only being discharged from hospital because COVID was on the increase and that he was not well enough to fight COVID and for his brain to recover. So he needed to come home and and his brain needed to recover at home where he was less likely to get COVID. Um, and I was told that his chances of survival were 50-50 for the first six months. And so every morning I would wake up reach across and just check he was breathing and that for me was like a lifetime that was like i was scared to go to sleep every night but i was equally scared when i woke up i didn't i i just couldn't ever imagine and people i know people do this but i could never imagine what it'd be like to wake up next to your husband and he's dead and to me that was the stuff that nightmares are made of and so when when we got to six months out it was almost a small celebration. It was like one of those, I need to celebrate this moment, but I'm not going to because I don't want him to know. I mean, we talked about it since, yeah. but I don't want him to know how significant this day is. And that 50-50 survival rate then dissipated quite considerably because it got over the first six months. We know now that, you know, he's got to have, he's got a 10-year uh, cycle. So every year for 10 years, he's got to have, um, a, 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 an inspection to see whether the sites are vulnerable and whether they're prone to um, uh, burst again. But um, other than that, we know that his chances of survival are increasing every single day. But those first six months, it was just critical. And 
you know, there was one point I think I re- just reached breaking point and I went, I took to Facebook and I know I always say people shouldn't take to social media, but I took to Facebook and I begged and pleaded with family members just to get on a plane and come and give me a break, just to come over. Family, friends, didn't matter, you know, just somebody to come over and just give me an hour off because it wasn't, um, it wasn't that I was doing anything. You know, I mean, I'm the world's worst housekeeper. Uh, I clean as I go, but I only clean my mess. Nobody else's, <laughs> right? Um, so, and I, and I wasn't lazy. I was trying to, I was trying, uh, everything we had had been ploughed into FASD Island in the February, and this happened in the March. So I want. I had to juggle that. I had to juggle husband, had to juggle children, and I just couldn't do it. And I reached burnout in April, May. And then it was when I put the flag up and said, I need help. And, um, you know, thankfully, and, and I know, Al, you came over and it cut the lawn for us, which was, you know, a godsend because for me, the lawnmower is like the hoover. I just don't understand it at all. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, we had a number of people respond and there's no way I could have got through that without that help. Hmm. Uh, that didn't answer my question at all. Um, <laughs> uh, I think my question was about sort of the the children and kind of keeping because I think that we no, I mean, the, the, uh, to be fair, I mean, I I know this story, so I can tell it. Um, so, eldest son didn't really get the 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 seriousness of it when it first happened. So, Tris was on the phone to him saying, "You need to come home. You need to come home." Well, I can't get time off. No, you need to come home. And bear in mind, this was in the first 24, 48 hours. So, you know, at that point, yeah. might as well have just been dead. Um, so he really didn't get that. So you had that to manage. Thankfully, our friends, Helen and the friends, Helen and Naomi, they picked it up. They just, Helen booked Fraser's flight. She went to get him. Between the two of them, they just said, you need to go. It's it's that simple. You need yeah. to go. Don't worry about work. You know, and to be fair, his boss was really good. Um Brandon was like just Brandon, wasn't he? I, I, but he's quiet anyway. So he wouldn't really know what was going on behind, you know, behind the. the... Brandon Brandon spoke to his boss and took two weeks off to be at home to look after Jacob. Yeah, but I think for Brandon it was more about he could get two weeks off with pay. <laughs> uh, I, hey, I I I'd it. like to yeah exactly. I'd like to think that there was some sort of compassion there as well. But, you know, I know I know myself exactly. Um, and Brandon Brandon is contemplative soul and he did do lots of thinking and when i offered him the opportunity to come with me to the hospital he did not want to go mm. his actual words were i want to remember daddy as i remember him because we we went out of the woods at that point yeah. um and and and, uh, and the, there was never a debate it was always okay as long as you're okay with that and every time i went to cork um i would always say to him would you like to come with me and the, you know his answer was always the same um Jacob, on the other hand, didn't want anybody to know and was furious that his rugby team uh, knew about it and were asking how daddy was and uh, is there anything they could do? They were giving him lifts to and from rugby and uh, they were um, cooking his dinners and and all sorts of stuff. Mm. Um, But he was furious that how dare we share our innermost family secrets with anybody else it's nobody else's business i've had people come up to me in the street he'd say and ask me how daddy is and well it's none of their business how my daddy is and um so we had a, a, a long conversation uh with jacob uh, after so when scott got back home we had a long conversation about you know it's important that you have people around you that can support you and at that time uh the best way for jacob to keep occupied was with rugby so i called on the rugby team to help us and of course they did 
And I think that the the only thing that really sticks in my mind was about two days after I got home, really, um, from hospital. Um, and Jacob just had a bit of a meltdown, didn't he? I mean, mm. he doesn't have he doesn't have them very often as a rule these days, but he had quite a, a meltdown, and I didn't see it, but there was a lot of kind of physical touching between you and him, as in him towards you. No, I don't mean like that. You know, I'm talking about the kind of CPV stuff that we talk about quite a lot. There was a, there was a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and the following weekend as well, he he did disappear. Um for well a couple hours until the policeman the guardie brought him home yeah. in a van yeah. along with the bike he stole and the yeah. tv remotes from the house and uh they <clears throat> they made him take the bike back to the neighbors where it came from which was fine they did all that and they didn't hold him by the ear or anything and then they brought him in he ran upstairs and they were chatting to me not about him because they all know jacob very well but um not, not like that they just know that he has um <laughs> some complications yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They they know he's a child in in um, it's with a small, It's a relatively small town as well, isn't it? So it's yeah, yeah. it's the village is two hundred and thirty odd people. So, yeah. but um, yeah. So um, <laughs> the guards were here like chatting in the living room with me, and next thing the TV goes on and the volume goes up really, really loud. And I'm looking at the guards, and they're looking at me, and I'm going, oh, I don't, I can't. Where's the remote? I can't find them. Well, Jacob was up in his bedroom. He'd decided that he didn't want the guards to listen to any more of this rubbish from me. Turned the telly on from his bedroom, turned the volume on full, and the guards had left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Clever boy. Hugely um, complicated. But you're at the yeah. end of your year now. You So you've met, does it feel like, wow, this is a marker? Because, I mean, New Year's a marker, isn't it, for a lot of people? Yeah, but does it always, feel like, yeah. a, like a let's yeah. get I that think- one behind us? I mean, definitely, I've I've reflected a lot on it this year. I think getting to Christmas, you do anyway, don't you? Um, and, you know, that wasn't the year that we had planned. You know, the year that we had planned looked very, very different <laughs> to the one that we just had. But there's a lot of things that, that did happen. You know, FASD Island, you know, the, my, the, the plan yeah. was that I was, I was leaving Adoption Plus. And, you know, I think um, it's worthwhile mentioning that, you know, Adoption Plus were amazing because I hadn't left when um, I went into hospital. Um, but they mm. kept me in the on the books and financially, I mean, it would have been hard, but they kept paying me for, I think a month or two after, after it happened. Um, you were in and, your notice pe- were you in your notice period? So like they, they yeah. could have just said, Oh, well, you know, they could have done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the board, the board adoption plus agreed to continue paying me, which, you know, I'm so grateful for, because at that point we had just literally a month earlier, sunk all of our savings into FASD Ireland in the hope that, you know, I would work for them, work for FASD Ireland full time and the income would be generated and all that sort of stuff. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, and you know, the, the, um, just that kind of kindness was, was was so appreciated and you know even i know paula said she had nothing to do with it but the 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 gofundme that elaine set up um was signed off elaine and paula um without that i mean there's no getting away from the fact that you know you, well, you i was spending 100 euros a day getting to and from cork uh with diesel parking food uh you know i mean it was an eight hour round trip for me yeah. and uh that gofundme kept me going without having to worry about going cap in hand to the bank or, mm. you know, to touching the savings that we had, had got left. Um, and, you know, we, we had the worry for a significant period of time of the 16,000 euro fee for the helicopter. But thankfully, uh, you know, that, that, that didn't materialize. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind. 
I wouldn't have minded if we got Abios, if we'd have earned Abios on it, but... Um, <laughs> But, um, I wouldn't but, mind it if I'd got champagne in the first class seat on it, but I didn't. I was strapped to a linen bed and but I mean, like the, the skis. Yes, exactly. There, there was there was a, a period of time where you know the concern started to appear around medical bills, the cost of treatment, the emergency room, all of that. Because as as probably people know, you know Ireland has a mixed private and public health service, and um, it's it's not like the UK where it's free at the point of entry. There, ha- there are certain preconditions that have to be met. Fortunately, and this is very fortunately, um, because um, we have um, Jacob with his additional needs and his diagnosis, then as carers of Jacob, then we qualify for the free medical care here. So w- we were very fortunate in that respect. And I mean, I, I totally understand families who are put in the position where they have a very ill, serious relative and the bills turn up afterwards and it's enough to knock them off the planet when they get mm. those bills in. Um, we were very lucky. And, you know, um, Scott will have done, and on his birthday, he put a, a, a kind of a go give a funding for the helicopter service because it is a charitable service here. Um, and, you know, we, we would, we recognize that had he not had that ambulance, that air ambulance not turned up within eight minutes, uh, he wouldn't be here. We had 40 minutes to get him to a, a medical facility and that helicopter got here within eight minutes. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, wow. one reflection, a, 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 a mixed year, shall we say, but <laughs> here to tell the tale, I'm sure there's some going, oh, that's a shame, but yeah, um, it, there's, there's, there's only little things now that really affect me. You know, tiredness is one of them, we'll say. Disruption. Disruption, yeah. I mean, now, you know, I used to, change was fine for me, it used to be fine, but anything changing now, I'm just like. <gasps> when when the oven when the oven blew up on Christmas Day, that was enough to finish him off. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, yeah. The, everything was cooked and ready, but, you know, it was just like, okay, how, how are we going to get through? But um, it, to be fair, they're small things, really, and I'll get, I will get used to managing them, and I have to remind myself that it's nobody's fault. You know, these things aren't anybody's fault, and, yes, I can – you know, go a bit, you know, grumpy for a while or whatever. But actually, like Tris says, he just leaves the room, lets me get on with it, and and I'm fine again. Um, he has a senior moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, one of the positives, Al, is that, you know, some of the interviews that we've done, I've been on fire this last couple of months. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of them, I'm even yeah. surprising myself. I mean, what? and I don't know if that's, if that's something in my brain that's going, okay, you don't need to worry about the confrontational side of this because actually you're a podcast, you're allowed to ask these questions. But previously, I would never have done stuff like that. Do you know, it's quite a strange, it's quite a strange feeling. Well, I mean, there was a period where you were neither used for ornament, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say things like, uh, we're going to interview this person, you'd go, whatever. And then you would just like be fine. You'd go, "What are we doing? Who is it? Why are we talking to them? Who am I? Where am I?" And yeah. I'd go, "Yeah." Are and, you? But you're, the one thing you were adamant about was you weren't going to be left out. <laughs> so, no, going, so um, no, but it is. I've seen you know real sharpness, and like you said, it's like you know a, a bit more bolshy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very weird. weird. Yeah, a bit Paxmanesque. Maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's the survival thing. Maybe it's yeah, maybe. you know the, the, this is a near death experience and I've survived. I, I think that's a, a confidence thing as well. Yeah, nothing to lose now. Put no. it in perspective, doesn't it? Exactly. So that's it. Twenty twenty two is done. 
September next year, I go in for my little procedure and have a couple of days off, and it'll be like that for the next 10 years. But, you know, figure- he doesn't mind the procedure because he gets a really stunning male nurse who has to push down on his groin for 10 minutes. Yeah. That's the most attention he gets these days. <laughs> well, you got to get your kicks where you can. <laughs> exactly. been married 25 years. Well, exactly. Yes, this is very true. So, and yeah, so so that's where we are. So t- tell us about your year, Paula. Because <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the, you've not had, well, you have, you've had a finger issue. But apart from that, medically, you know, but oh, I have a finger things- issue, yeah. 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 It's still an issue, isn't it? But yeah, well, that's, that's the least of our worries. I, I, it is. I think the main thing, I would be interested to know your reflections on the year where we, we haven't had an addition to our family, haven't we? Yeah. In, in less than, how could you put it? Less than ideal circumstance? Not planned. I don't know what's the, what, is it anything to do with us? I don't know. Okay. You, you. Over to me. Over to you. <laughs> I think um, I think this time last year, I was really stressed. We were really stressed. But, you know, I had a child, a daughter, who was kind of just given up, not interested in school, um, getting phone calls from school. She's not here. We don't know where she is. Do you know where she is? No, we don't know where she is. And it was just really traumatic, you know, kind of going in the morning to wake her up. You, need, you know, come on, we've got like half an hour, you need to get ready. Yes, yes, I'll be ready. You've got two minutes to get ready. I'm not going. And we had, this kind of went on. And, and if something presses my buttons, it presses Al's buttons because my buttons are pressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Mine come out in sympathy. <laughs> So I, th- I think it's it, it's difficult because I mean obviously Scott, you know you really know us as a couple, mm. and I can if if you know I can kind of Al's in London a lot, and so I could ring him up and say, she's you know she's not here or she's not going or whatever, and it would it really did stress me out. So he tries to go on the extra calm and there's nothing you can do about it, but he but he's vo- you know underneath he's angry and he's angry and it comes to me so it's just he's very stressed. And it's like, what do you want me to do? You know, and what do you, what do you want me to say? And what do you want me to do about that? I find that really difficult. And this has kind of been a theme of our marriage when there's been a disruption with a kid, with one of our children or anything. And I, you know, and I have to tell them because I am, I feel better when I talk about it. It really helps me to just to go, blah. And he finds it really, really difficult to hear my stress. So it's kind of, been trying to mm. go through a lot of trauma as we've had over the years with with children and things and one of the worst things like i say is i can call al this is happening this is happening this is happening and he, if he, when he says i'm i'm here i'm in london what do you expect me to do about it and all i need is just from to listen and say mm. it must be really crap you know what i mean but he obviously from you know i can get from where he is he's in london he's got case lords he's got this he's got that he's got the other and he's got me stressed out and yeah. are you bearing my secrets i'm back no and i think secret. it's just the way we deal with trauma that's happening to us <coughs> al has got a learned way of putting it into a shed and shutting the door and kind of right that's mm. for later or whatever my way is i've got to just 
tell it as it is straight away. Then I can walk away and feel better because I've yeah. I've done that. But what I, but what that does to him is it just makes him feel worse because you know he's in London and I'm go, you know she's trashed her room, she's done whatever whatever's happened, um, and you know he's kind of left in London, feeling very guilty. He's not here to help me, and so you know the the kind of that the dynamics of our relationship, and it's it's not that he's wrong and I'm right or vice versa it's just the way you deal with things but we have you know we have kind of had quite a lot of teenagers in our lives we've got teenager <laughs> uh, five last count yeah. yeah yeah six six looming and it's been it's been quite a roller coaster um mm. and then we uh <coughs> sorry I'm full of cold last year last year last year it became really difficult and it was kind of over this time of year where <coughs> there was a boyfriend involved. We weren't, you know, keen and it was just very difficult. And then, sorry. It was interesting, I think, because <coughs> you have a you have a drink, my darling. I think that I really <coughs> drew on my kind of the NVR principles about it. It, it got became really... Um, Protracted, and I think I probably talked a bit about having run-ins with the with the um, with the school welfare officer and stuff, the education welfare officer. But I think for me, it was really about prioritising what mattered for our daughter, because actually we, there was this danger. I felt there was this danger we could lose; she could disappear, and we'd lose mm. her forever if we sort of if we battened down the hatches with every single rule and regulation, and just really drew on the idea that actually we. What really matters is she needs to know that we love her. Yeah. Which was not necessarily <laughs> the, the feelings we were having. Um, and so we really, I think we really, we kept resetting our mind around what was really important to us. So the school was, school was important, but actually we thought in the grand scheme of things, the most important thing to us, we kept trying to reset ourselves on our relationship with, mm. with our daughter and just maintaining that at a tolerable level. And that, you know, not that we agreed with everything that she, you know, she said or didn't, not that she agreed with everything we said or did, but maintaining that sense of connection, maintaining that connection, because I just thought, you know, how many times do you hear these stories of teenagers and parents falling out over something? Mm, yeah. And then never speaking for 10 years. And I just saw the potential in that with her. So we, sorry, you're going to say, Scott? No, no. Yes. All right. Um, we've just, and, got, we've just um, got a little addition to the podcast here. <laughs> oh, little cat. <laughs> Which one of your cats is that? It's Junior. That's Junior. He wants to get in on the act. Sorry. We're, we're I'll, I'll come to him you. later. Anyway, so Paul, yeah. you were, because you're Sorry. full of cold. So I you... am full of cold, yeah. Not very well. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was quite interesting. I mean, it, it's one of those things where we've had, a group of therapists involved in our family for quite a long time. A crack team of therapists. Really, really good. <laughs> and, you know, there have been great support for the kids, great support for us. We've got adoption support funding. And it was kind of... So I started to see um, the, the lady that's been seeing Rosa and I would just come in every now and then and, like, have my own chat with her and stuff and... She just put a really good perspective. You know, she was very, very compassionate to me. I kind of went in, well, we went in, and I just broke down and I just said, I feel like an 
I'm an absolute rotten mother. You know, I just, I felt absolutely, all these kids that we've got, you know, I just feel like I've, I've just done, I'm just rubbish at it all. And she really did help us, didn't she? She yeah. really built me up a lot. And um, a psychotherapist in it, and it was just really good for me at the time because I realised that, because obviously our daughter having kind of therapy, you know, that was private and that was between them. Um, right. but, but I was also given space to kind of go in and talk to her and, and just be able to see... Um, you know, to say how I felt and how things were difficult, and she was she was very very good at just letting me see it from our daughter's perspective. You know, just say you know like just might like what you would see as an issue, what I would see as an issue, actually quite often wasn't the issue. Mm, and yeah. I would go out of the room thinking, <clears throat> and and without having that, I think things would have got really really difficult but just being able to have that input even a phone call or me just send her a text and to actually just to have her well and it wasn't her sticking up for her inside saying oh well it was just a different perspective yeah. thinking no that actually that that you know that kind of not going to school or not doing this she wasn't coping with something which you know that was never divulged or whatever anyway you know we got to a point and one of the things that I used to worry myself sick about was I just hope she doesn't get pregnant that, that you know of all things I remember sitting with Elaine um our friend a long time ago and just saying the very thought of that terrifies me absolutely terrifies me Elaine's very different very laid back she kind of takes things as they come however big or small it is I'm not I'm a bit of like oh and so it happened. We got this announcement that she was pregnant. <laughs> well, actually, I got a call from school saying, uh, can you come in? We need to speak to you. Oh, and I yeah. had a feeling. <laughs> I thought, I know what this is. Oh. And so I was at my niece's having lunch. So um, I rang out. I said, school want you to go in. Well, because of being so much truancy, he just thought... Yeah. She's, you know, truant. Mm -hmm. She's, um, she's over-truanted. And I think yeah. I kind of... <laughs> she's ran the truant. And I think I kind of hinted Grist, um, she could be pregnant. And he, you know, this <laughs> she could be pregnant. And he was like, don't be ridiculous. I remember him just saying, don't be ridiculous. Of course, you know. And I thought... I'm naive. <laughs> anyway, and I did. I just sat and I thought, ah, ah, this is what, you know. And, and so he'd gone to school and met. And, of course, the teacher said, Rose is here. This is what's happened. And uh, it absolutely just threw me. She was 16. Um, and I just uh, can imagine, you know, we all can. Um, mm -hmm. The boyfriend's got a good job. Um, been together a long time. And I was there at the birth with him. And she wanted me there. And it was amazing. And she is an amazing mum so that you know so that's been quite tricky I mean you know obviously at first you know we kind of said right we, we sat and talked to them this and this she wanted the baby she was having that baby she wanted the baby before the baby was even a baby this, you know mm. we kind of realised that that was her intention um, 
and we kind of had them they were living here um he lives he works an hour away lives an hour away so he was kind of traveling in and out and stuff and we just kind of really tried to support them and they moved an hour away yeah um but i mean it's a complicated story because not ideal but actually it is i think it's been i think reflecting across several of my children is that what they never they never really wanted parents does that sound they wanted people they wanted carers well they wanted carers Mm -hmm. They wanted care, but they didn't really want replacement parents. Mm. Um, and that is a complicated thing, because I think we actually, having reconciled ourselves to that, uh, it feels like our relationship's much more healthy, and they yeah. still want us in their life. They absolutely want us in their life, but mm. they want a relationship where they've got much more autonomy, which is fine when you're 18, not when you're 16 or 15 or 14 yes. or, or 12 yeah. or 3. Um, yeah. which was the case. And I think if we'd known that with hindsight, I think if we'd if we'd have clicked that much a, a long time ago, I think some of the, the challenges we'd faced would have probably been, uh, we'd have found a way through them a bit more. But actually, our, yeah. you know, in, now our relationship with our all of our children is as, be- as good as it's been yeah. in a long, long time. Really, really sure. positive. And that, that she's moved out is removed that conflict from the home. Yeah. That's the reality is that... Mm. I mean, yeah. look, they, they do come through a lot. They come and stay. Like twice and, a week. You know, and I think that, you know, we've kind of embraced him and that means a lot to her because clearly they love each other. There's, yeah. I mean, no doubt, you know, they love each other. and um, They're good parents. They're good parents. And, you know, they provide for the baby. And seeing her as a mum, I can just see that it's it's something she's wanted from being three four five years old that's that's she wanted she wanted a baby i mean she's always been you know with a kind of our granddaughter and grandson she adores them and she yeah. just absolutely loved it and i think i just watch her now and you know that baby i mean our baby sat from they went out to look at the fireworks so i was left with them and he knew i wasn't his mum you know, I was cuddling yeah. him to sleep and he kept waking up and, you know, and I thought he, he knows, He's you know. so attached And well. it's just lovely because she she gets the whole attachment thing because of herself and because of what yeah. how where we come from and everything. And so, you know, I just keep encouraging her and saying, you know, you're a really, really good mum and she is. Um, yeah. I think it's helped as well for her to make sense of her own story as well because mm-hmm. she can see what she... She can see how she feels about her child and she yeah, can yeah. see how she responds to her child yeah. and then sees the gaps in her own experience. And it's kind of like it's this sort of mm-hmm. cyclical sense of, oh, that makes much more sense of my, me and my siblings and my world. And it, so it's yeah. been a real positive. It's, you know, it's, it's unusual, you know, it's, but we're expecting yeah. another grandchild. But I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, reflecting on it and it all happening and, He's here now, and of course we all love him, and he's gorgeous, and he's a really good baby. Because we were like, when she was first pregnant, oh well, you're gonna know it, you know. <laughs> when he wakes up through the night, and when he does this, and when he does that, he does none of it. He sleeps twelve hours. He does whatever. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and he's two, two months old. He's on her. He's on her. She's she knows, and and he's just on her, and she does that. And many people say, oh, that's not right, but I, we obviously know it's really good for them, and um. 
So he's a very, very good content baby. She started to wean him. He just takes to it, you know, water for duck's back. He just does it all. And, mm. you know, and I think that, you know, I just can see that for her, looking at the, the personality that she has, this has probably saved her. And Scott, just you know her, you know, this yeah. has probably saved her from going down some really bad paths. And, you know, and I remember the moment I found out she was pregnant and I was absolutely horrified, even though I was expecting it. I remember just kind of thinking, hold on, this lad, he's got a good job, he's got a nice car, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't take drugs. You know, and I thought... Loves her. He loves her. She loves him. So mm-hmm. it was kind of thinking, actually, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and... Yeah. And he's besotted with her, and she's besotted with him. Absolutely, you know. So I think she could have taken a few paths that would have been really worrying, but actually this has kind of reined her in. And just for her, she's fulfilled. She's got what she wanted in life. Um, And he's handy with DIY, which is an absolute good thing. better for you. Yeah, We talk about tools and everything. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because you know we've well so we've known each other now nearly well quite a few years should we say and our families have changed a lot in oh, those yeah. years oh yeah and, you know if, if 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 there's one thing that can be said for you and your family is you're forever changing and adjusting <laughs> and all that we're probably the same but we probably don't see it do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's probably just one of those things that we don't recognise in ourselves because you just get used to things. Um, but with Rosa, I mean, the, the first time I met her, she's very, she, she's very driven. She's very, I would go as far as <laughs> say, very bossy. She is very bossy. She's, a, she's quite a bossy uh, young lady. But the one thing that I will say is, as soon as you had the grandchildren, she was like a, a carer for those babies, mm. you know. Mm. She, she, oh, yeah. every, time, every time I saw her, she had a baby in her arms, mm-hmm. you know. It didn't matter which one it was, she had a baby in her. Mm. And it was it was so evident that she is, she's got that nature, she's got that personality. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we know you went through, a, you know, as we've all been through, you know, we've, had, we've, all had, yeah, we've had interesting days with all of our children, haven't we? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's clear that, you know, this is what she was meant to do. And, you know, yeah. if it's... It's yeah. It's 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 been the making of her, and yes, this time last year it, it was a terrifying thought. Um, yeah. I mean, she was pregnant this time last year without knowing it. But you know, you did ask me about my year and about the family. Yeah, so no, no. we kind of started to talk about like downsizing. Oh, she would look for like a smaller home and all of that. And then our son, Corey, decides he wants to come and live back at home because it's going to be too expensive. <laughs> yeah, creaky. Yeah. You know, he's finished university. <laughs> And um, <laughs> the prices of, of you know, he yeah. works now. The, the prices of where he, you know, so he's come back yeah. home. Um, obviously, Kirsty's still here with Elsie. So we're, we're kind of fully loaded. And I think our yeah. thoughts of downsizing and going anywhere else is just all I can think is that we need to build in the loft. We need extra bedrooms. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm not sure it was your idea, Paula, to bump downside. I'm, I'm, I'm not no, sure no. that was really your intentions, was it? No, I think it was interesting because when you kind of, when we looked at it, I, you know, when we started talking about like, shall we sell up and move? Al was looking at like places out in the sticks. Like one, one bedroom. Bed, you know, <laughs> 
build a fire to keep yourself warm. And I was looking at one of the nicest estates in Cramlington, the best estates, you know, and I'm kind of going, well, hmm, this Not is yet. what I want. And he was going, well, this is what I want. And I was saying, there's no way you're getting me there. And he said, there's no way you're getting me there. I thought, it's definitely not. It's, it's definitely not, not. It's not right. It's not the time. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I I love family. I've uh, From being a young girl, you know, I, I'm a gatherer and I love people and I love everybody coming around. So it really does suit me, um, yes. you know, the, the, the family being around. But there is that sense of, you know, we've got Al's brother here at Christmas, while his mum here. Well, that's 15 you know. of us on Christmas there. Yeah. Um, and I set the table for 12 because I couldn't count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Awkward moment. But, you know, it's just kind of... I mean, I, you know, like thinking about Kirsty, you know, she's 29, she's got four-year-old and she's here. And it was funny because I was listening to Radio 4, I think, the other day, and they were saying that, um, was it 43% of kids under, like, well, oh, sorry, up to 40 still live with the parents. It was something yeah. like that, statistics, and I thought, wow. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of think, it, it's really, really hard. You know, I mean, Kirsty would love to have somewhere. Kirsty would love to be somewhere, you know, but it's just impossible. She works really, really hard. Um, and she's a lovely mum, and she provides, and she does it all, but it's just really difficult yeah. to, to start out there. No, so, I... I... Yeah. That's it. We need a big house forever. See? Well, I mean, we should just set up a commune, to mm. be honest with you. That would be we'll perfect. Take half, we have the other half. We can have a little office in the middle for podcasts and stuff, and then yeah. that would be it. It would be great. I mean, actually, I would be quite happy to buy a bigger house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to go back to my eight bedrooms that we used to have because, you know, yeah. we're just... Yeah, I, I don't, don't. I don't, strangely <laughs> enough, uh, said the man who decorated the eight bedrooms. Um <laughs> and heated them. Um, so, would you be interested in finding out, uh, used to Scott and Tris, sorry, Tris and Paula, uh, what the uh, most downloaded podcasts of the year were? Yeah. Yeah, we we would hope that one of them is ours of last year, wouldn't we, Paula? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, well, I'll give you a rundown of the top three, if you if that would be of interest to you. So, um, uh, in the in third place, which was um. A February, sorry, let me have a look here, a February um, uh, episode, which was actually with um, our friend, friend of the show, Elaine Amy. Oh. oh so, yeah, so she came in and she was at uh, the top three. Yes, a little round of a little ripple of applause. We don't, we don't get a, yeah, and so that was an episode where we uh, we just talked about adoption as adopters and we excluded anyone who has been adopted and we were open and honest and frank. And uh, we should get Elaine back on, shouldn't we? Because she's... I remember that one now. Now you've explained it. Because, I, I, yeah, some of them have left my brain so yeah and <laughs> um, and then the second episode second most listened to episode was um with uh, uh was an episode in february again as well actually well, um, pre-aneurysm. yeah yeah pre-aneurysm that's um, not when, saying very much is it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not saying very much and um, and it was the episode where we talked about the somerset ju- judgment and also the episode about meeting birth parents with uh, charlotte do you remember that scott oh. Yeah, kind of. I kind and of I remember. Think every year when we look across all of our episodes, every year the ones that consistently get into the top, top kind of three or four contact post adoption contact mm. meaning links is always a high one. Yeah. 
So uh, mm -hmm. with eager anticipation, uh, have you got any hopes or aspirations for the final one? Is this is this it? I think I think the the top listened to one was or downloaded one was the one where you updated everybody on my health. There you go. <laughs> everybody needed to hear about that. That doesn't count. That was a news broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the the most viewed webcast, Scott, of the year was the one yeah. where you probably have no recollection of it. it was when I came to Ireland and we did oh, it wait, in your in yeah, your in the offices. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we had over a thousand views. There were thousand I... up thousand plus views and all kinds oh, of things. Actually, yeah. So that was the top webcast. I actually do remember that and I've watched it the other day actually. Did as you? A, a reminder. Yeah. I'd actually got quite teary watching it as well because I thought, my God, how rough did I look? <laughs> <laughs> Looks fairly normal to us. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Um, and yeah. the most listened to podcast actually was last year, at the beginning of January, we had a podcast with uh, two guests. Um, and we talked about therapy, and actually, therapies are really. It was it was Tristan Fallers <laughs> was the most listened to and podcast. Thank you for listening. Year. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. Well. <laughs> See, they always want to listen to the women behind the men. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, well, I think I think people there's there's absolute truth in that, and I think that they, they could, actually I think that used to bring uh, Scott and I are very uh, measured, and I think used to kind of well, I think as well. When because we talk all the time, like yeah. you and I, and obviously yeah. these guys can listen to it or not. I mean, Tris doesn't listen to them very much. Oh, I don't. I retweet them as well. Yeah, but um, I think when we're talking to each other, it's very much you and I. Just we could literally be sitting having a coffee or a, or or a beer or whatever, and just chat to each other. Yeah. So what we say is like that. But I think when you add these two into it, it brings a different perspective because what we see is, and you know, is very different to what they probably see. Um, and it's interesting when Paula was started off about the year and how you know sometimes she rings you in London. I am you, Al. That is what I'm like, because Tris will ring me and say, well, Jacob's done this or Brandon's done that. And I'm just like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm not there, so I can't do anything. Um, and also, I would, never, I would never ring you and tell you. So why would you ring me and tell? Do you know that kind of way? So th that is very, you know, mm. relate totally to that, because there there is a point where you have to go, actually, do you know what? I have to listen. I can't do anything. I, I literally can't do anything. I am stressed listening to you, but... What can I do? You know, I can't do anything apart from listen. So maybe Tris and I need to ring each other and say, "Yeah, this is what happened." Yeah, yeah. yeah. you should start yeah. your own podcast and, and park it all there. Maybe we should, Chris. Maybe that's a good I, idea. Yeah, but I think it just adds to the to the different perspective of of couples, and I think maybe that's mm. what was relatable to that episode was the fact that there was two couples, and most of our you know listeners are parents or carers or you know even therapists, mm. actually, you know, or whoever mm -hmm. it was. That was I think just to hear that kind of the two sides to the story, mm. but also the different views and the different perspectives is, is actually something that we don't hear mm. because, you know, we, we know this year especially, you know, the podcast is it's, it's kind of blowing my head when Al sends me numbers and stuff mm -hmm. because I'm not sure that I really understand it. But across the board, you know, we, we are a very popular podcast, weirdly. Um and just by adding that different perspective, that, that just adds something else to it. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to tell you back, really. Yeah. See, see, Paula, we bring the lived experience to the podcast. That's what <laughs> We should set up like a, a, a yin and yang podcast, shouldn't we? We should, yeah, should, yeah. We should cover the same subject, but we're like the avoidant episode and then yeah. the ambivalent episode, you know. With... I think, oh, I think 
just going back to therapy and stuff, like I say, we've had Claire, she's called, who's been really amazing and, and she kind of met us. She got a measure of us, she got a measure of Al, she got a measure of me. And so I've been able to just to go and talk to her. Mm. And, you know, you just think as couples, um, as adoptive parents, and this is to all people, it's really, really good just to have somebody that has got a measure of you and yeah. a measure of your kids and a measure of your family, the dynamics. And she, you know, mm. she knows, she totally gets out, gets, you know, how he sees things and she gets how I see things. She's very encouraging. And she, and, and I've moved on massively since mm. talking to her. And I just think that, you know, if there are people out there really struggling it is really, really worth it just to, to get it because, you know, I, I kind of go in that room or, or have a phone call and I come out of it feeling very different. And um, yeah. I think we all yeah. need that, that kind of backup because yeah. him and I are, we are very, very different in our approach to stuff that comes, the trauma that hits you all of the time. Yeah. And it's just good often to have that balance, but also... You know, one of our daughters who was kind of out of the family and is back with the family. You know, it's it's also just really helpful just to have an outsider, but also as a couple to actually see to learn that you, you do see things differently, you get things differently, and just to kind of rather than this is it. Well, you know? I think I totally agree with that, and I think that for me the benefit has always been that you. I don't want to park my stuff anywhere. I, I do want to park my stuff anywhere, but I don't want to talk about it. I want to just park it. Mm, yeah. So you get to, you get to kind of you get to your release valve. I get my release valve, mm -hmm. and then we can come together and we can talk about the stuff that matters in a much more in a way that mm, we both yeah. feel legitimized yeah. by that. Yeah. So that's sort of like systemic therapy, but we're not. This isn't the episode about therapy, so we've. <laughs> well, we still don't do therapy because it's been too busy this year. But um, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, in some ways, it should be something that's available to every for, for you know for, for yeah. parents and and, and young people because actually, you know, to 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 weave your way through this flipping maze of parenting anyway is difficult. But add on the complexities that we've got, and that's not me doing the woes me before you all start writing in because mm. you know you're. I'm just saying that, you know, yep. actually to be better parents and carers, actually sometimes, you know, sometimes yeah. you do need that, yeah. that kind of, um, that what's it board. See, I do, I do something completely different. If I reach that level where I need to do something, I jump in the car, I drive down to the ocean and sit on the cliffs by the Atlantic and just look out to sea. And I'll do that for half an hour. I, I won't even maybe get out of the car. Sometimes I will, but it's really windy and blustery, but and I'll just go and sit and look at the ocean. Then I'll drive back home, and that's me. That's my mm. that's my self care. That's mm -hmm. my therapy. It's mm. it's. I suppose it's some of the skills I learned in Thailand around meditation and just um, mindfulness. But I mm -hmm. find that really useful to do that. It's mm -hmm. it's that phrase, isn't it? Stop the world. I want to get off, and I just yep. do that. It gives mm. me a break. It gives me half an hour to breathe. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my own company without any interruptions. Mm -hmm. And then I feel fine again. So I think people need to 
just work out what works for them. And if, if that works, do that. And if not, then do something else. But there will be something that people mm. can work out for themselves that, they, that they'll find useful, as you have done with, with visiting a therapist. It works for you, so that's good. And having a horse. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's my ocean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an expensive you know, one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let it on, on that bombshell. Um, well, we've been at this yeah, on, on that box. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say on that box, 2023. Now we are, fingers crossed, touch wood and all that. We're hopefully all going on a Colts, Cass and Rennie <gasps> job, aren't we? It has yes. to happen. It has to <laughs> yeah. happen. Slightly terrifying. Gone. Well, this this was supposed to happen in 2020, wasn't it? Oh, um, yeah. But there was a, a thing called a pandemic that took over. <sighs> Week and yeah, the the week literally the week four wasn't it? So we couldn't go, and mm. then the next year, obviously Thailand wasn't available. Because but fingers crossed, fingers crossed in Easter yeah. this year, the six of us. <laughs> the numbers are getting smaller and smaller, yeah, which is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be going to Thailand, so that's that's going to be one of our highlights of twenty twenty three. But I did want to ask, and I know that you know I don't normally lead Al, but any any hope streams for twenty twenty three? Um, what well, I've been thinking about, um, for me as an individual or, or podcast, oh, just, no, all whatever. of it, all of it, um, <laughs> uh, none that I'm prepared to share. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> just get through the year will be enough. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't see, um, I think that I want to be a bit, I want to enjoy my uh my 11 year old and i think that it's really mm. that i'm very conscious having had <laughs> several teenagers and um, that these moments before adolescence kick in mm. are really precious mm. and so i really want to make sure that i enjoy mm. that before and not that adolescence is bad or you know not that she's going to turn into a monster um mm. but she might um <laughs> but yeah. i think that i'm just conscious that this is a great time in, with children and I think I really that's going on holiday all of that kind of stuff I really mm. want to just be I want to have a lush time with her I mean yeah. I, you know talk, the therapist that I've talked about one thing she she does say to us nothing I may have said this last time but she just said you know of all of the things that have gone on in your family and everything mm. they still come back to you she said you you have given yeah. out something and I mean yeah. you know Rosa's partner he loves being here he loves being amongst it all. You know, he's, you know, him and his brother it's noisy there. Noisy chaos. Noisy chaos. You know, we had a games night last night and he loves it. And, you know, and I think, you know, it's kind of, it's what I am. I am a gatherer, you know, and so I kind of create this. Yeah, you bring people together. Yeah. And, and I am good at it. You know, I am good at it. And um, and I think that, you know, one thing she's encouraged me with all of the time is, is just that, you know, they still all, you know, want to be home at the hub of the whole the home and I yeah. think that's really I take that as a real positive yeah. of adoption. I looked at Rosa and Kirsty the other day just having a big hug hugging each other and I thought, you know, without us they wouldn't even know each other. And yet, yeah, you know, they're really close, really love each other and I thought I can go out of this world knowing, you know, I've brought a real good like family together. We have, not yeah. me. We yeah. have. Um you know no, it's you. <laughs> but I, but I, you know what I have to say Paula that's that's something that I feel as well because you know Fraser obviously doesn't live with us um, he, he knows because you know we, we've we've 
discuss this with him that he's better off not living with us. He's 24 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lives with his girlfriend. Um, I think that 2023, 24 will probably see an addition to our family in some way. I've got two bricks at the back. Yeah, door. I know, yeah. We are kind of, I mean, it's not, it's, uh, we can't stop it. You know, if he wants, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Um, Brandon still lives with us. Um, Brandon has no intention to go anywhere because, <laughs> you know, he's just Brandon. And, and but Jacob is the complete opposite of that. As mm. soon as Jacob can be independent, and similar to what you were saying earlier, you know, that sometimes it feels, um, it, it it does feel like you know he he didn't need new parents he just he needed care he, he needed mm-hmm. yeah. permanence he needed mm-hmm. that kind of just to feel part of something but maybe not a new family um but i disagree i think no 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 one word you both you and paula have missed and al have missed they did need care but they also need needed love and love yeah. was something that they and i'm i'm explicit in this love is something that our children were missing when they came. They've been in the care system for a long, long time, uh, arriving to us at seven and eight. They hadn't been loved for a long, long time. They've been a resource in the care system. And um, that's indicative that, you know, all three of our children arrived as seven and eight years old, but with tiny, tiny feet, like baby size eight and nine and 10 and 11, the baby, baby sized feet. And within a couple of years, their feet were like adult size six, seven, eight, you know, and it was crazy. And to me, the missing ingredient was simply that they wanted to be loved. <laughs> you, know, you can forget everything else. The children blossomed because mm-hmm. they were loved. And and I think that's the that's the, the bit yeah. that we overlook all too often. Well, I think I think that actually, well, for us definitely, you know, speaking about that publicly is quite controversial because, um, you know, as a, we try and cover everything, we try and not offend people, but some people do get offended by that kind of assumption that that's all they need. We know that's not, and that's mm. not what you're saying. No, no. What you're saying. But I think that we kind of steer clear of talking about that because it gets us in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know me, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Norwich boy, so I speak as I find. <laughs> it's, it's, it's belonging as well, isn't it? It's, 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 it's belonging that we've given our children. Um, yeah. But for something, like you said, like you expressed with Jacob, is that but he wants his own freedom in yeah. a way that is just unusual for yeah. and, and him and Rosa, be, him and Rosa get on, or they did get oh. on so well. They're like two peas in a pod. I mean, yeah. they literally are like yeah. two peas in a pod. Um, and gratefully, that, that those peas never, never the twin met. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that I think that's why kind of I relate to that. Although you know, we have boys. You have majority five to six of our, our girls. Um, so like Tris says, we've got bricks at the back door, and you know, we we touch wood so far. We, you know, we've not we've not been in that position where we've had an addition that we don't, mm. that we're not ready for as a family. I told the yeah, boys gonna, that the, I mean, the bricks will disappear on my 60th birthday. So when right. I hit 60, the bricks can go and then I can be afforded the title of grandfather. <laughs> but until I'm 60, the bricks will stay at the back door and the boys know they're there and I show them to them regularly. Excellent. Mm. I mean, there was one yeah. thing that, that happened maybe more for me than my daughter, one of my daughters who we were going through a really difficult time and you know I was kind of really frightened at one point and I remember just having this overwhelming feeling of love for it in the midst of chaos mm. and fight 
And I just remember putting my arms around her and I said, no matter what you do to me, no matter what happens, I love you 100% and I always will. And I, and she was a bit like freaked out about it, but I felt it, yeah. you know, and, and I still feel it, you know, I still feel it today, you know, and I, and I really do. And we're, we're building up relationship again. And I just think that it's just there, you know, we, we have that kind of capacity to love beyond yeah. measure, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, as parents and it's different, but yeah. it's real. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw the question back to you. What are you aspiring for, for 2023? Ooh. Ooh. Work-wise for FASD Island, it's going to be a colossal work, uh, work year for us. We're on the brink of some, some major funding, some major recognition across the country. Uh, we've just agreed with the National Council for Special Education that FASD is going to be taught to the special educational needs officers across the country to start recognising wow. that children with FASD need support in schools. Uh, that's a first. You know, it's a massive revelation. Um we're working closer and closer with Tuzla and the HSE, which is your uh, children's services and NHS equivalent. Um, so as an organization, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, in terms personally? of the sunflower, sorry? Personally? Well, personally, I mean, I was going to say in terms of the sunflower, which is the other hat that we wear, um, I've just come back from Florida having opened the uh, Hidden Disability Sunflower office in Orlando. So that's a... A big uh, success for us in 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 that sense, and I'm going to be um, looking after that office for a fair while. So there'll be a bit of a, a stretch for us in terms of looking uh, after that, and, and I think challenge that that will give us some challenges distance wise. But um, personally, uh, Jacob is doing his his uh, leaving cert, so that's almost like A levels at school. Mm-hmm. So we have to drive that fine balance of home life, homework, and education. Um, Brandon is very much a young man now, and he's holding down a career. He's driving. He's independent. We just need to encourage him to uh, develop his social skills, to to make some friends, and to have the confidence to do so. Mm. Um, And, you know, Scott's back at work now, working part-time 20 hours a week. So... That's a good, uh, good start. And we're... <laughs> a good start. That's where it finishes. No, that's... that's all I'm doing from now on. I'm 20 hours a week, mate. That's it. I'm I'm done with the the full time malarkey. Scott on light duties. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think there's there's lots of things that we can all dream of. I think this year has taught me one thing that you only get one life to live, and it's really important that you do try and just do what you need to do because if you don't, then you know you're a bit knackered, aren't you? And I think for me that I. I just think, just to enjoy things. Do you know what I mean? Just to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So yes, work's important, and this is important, that's important. But actually, you know, like our little tour thing that we we're planning for the year, um, that's really important because actually it's fun. It's, yeah. it's something that we can we can do. Yes, it you know it's going to take some organising, but yeah, it's it's fun. So yeah, there's there's lots of things in there, but I think um, that probably <laughs> good health. <laughs> that sounds so corny, but. <laughs> <laughs> it does doesn't it but that's just the way it is so yeah excellent well that's probably a good place to end it then isn't it that's a good, oh, good... thank god it was a bit old now so <laughs> well on that bombshell 
Um, there, I'm wishing you all the best for 2023. Thank you, Trist, for coming on. Thank you, Paula, for coming on. Oh, yes, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, well done, Trist. Just clatter yeah. your mug on. Let's say, yeah. right, I'm done. And in, and in another year, we'll have you on again, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, we yeah. don't want to build your role too much. Hopefully, <laughs> sure. we'll have a holiday to talk about. What we might do, we, there was always talk of us oh, doing yes. um, a podcast on the River Kwai, because that was part of our itinerary, wasn't it? A podcast on the River Kwai, that's, a, that's quite a, we could, we could do that. That's quite a dramatic Excellent. name for it. Yeah, that's on the River Kwai. Yeah, we shall reenact the uh, the 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 explosion of the bridge of the River Kwai um, on for the podcast. So that sounds like an absolute blast, something like that. Yeah, Some, cause a cultural incident and maybe a, you know get evicted from the country. Um, and on that bombshell, uh, literally. So look after yourselves, and I will look forward to speaking to you all in 2023. Yes, have a good New Year. And you, you too.